that if every single person mm. exercised and ate the same, we would all mm. still look different. And that's 100%. We're still, our body types are all different. So our bodies are going to still look different no matter what, even if we're all eating the same or doing the same things. Nobody's body is going to look exactly like yours. And like once you learn that and appreciate that, then it's more powerful in your ability to like live in your body and coexist with your body instead of fighting against it all the time. Hi, and welcome to the Audacious Health Podcast, where we dive into the wholehearted and imperfect cultivation of our own well-being and the health of our communities. No quick fixes, no shortcuts, just honest conversations to challenge and inspire you to maximize your potential right where you are. I'm your host, Chauncey Carroll, and I am excited to introduce you today to Sarah Potter. Sarah is a CrossFit Level 2 coach, a competitive CrossFit athlete, and ultra runner. She's the owner of Sarah Potter Nutrition Consulting, which provides in-person and online wellness programs to bridge the gap of misinformation with a straightforward approach to teach us about the food we eat and its direct impact to not only our physical bodies, but all areas of our life. Sarah is also a mom to three beautiful children and loves to encourage and guide other moms in their fitness journeys. Sarah, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. So you are an awesome CrossFit coach (laughs) and a competitive CrossFit athlete as well. How did you get into CrossFit? Um, I got into CrossFit through a gym that I started working at as a group fitness instructor Uh, I was freelancing for a newspaper and on the softball team, one of the husbands of a wife who ran a group fitness program uh, asked me to sub a couple of classes that I'd been going to. And so I started teaching all group fitness. And from there, I found CrossFit that they had a CrossFit gym. So I was hooked from my first class. Um, It was when CrossFit first started or a couple years after around 2010, 2011. Uh, So we didn't even have bumper plates there. Wasn't even really a pull-up rig. There was just like bars hanging from the ceiling that we are swinging around on. And I, I think our first workout was Cindy, which is like 20 minutes of five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 15 air squats, and it was just amazing. I couldn't do any of the pull-ups. I had to use bands and stuff. And but it was so cool to um, just get that experience. And yeah, I've been in it ever since. So yeah, that's awesome. You're an OG CrossFitter. CrossFitter, yeah. How did you get into the competitive athlete side? What did that look like for you? Yeah, so because of that, we all started, uh, the coaches and the people that we started CrossFitting with, um, we slowly started to build. All of us got our level ones and Olympic lifting certifications. So we got to kind of learn together and just through the sport evolving, um, we started doing pretty well in the Northwest when regionals were still there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, we made a team. So at the time it was three girls and three guys. Um, and so, um, for a couple of years, I turned down an individual regional, um, invitation to be on the team and we just had a blast. It was just so fun to have such a supportive group with you going through, um, the hard work that CrossFit is and the challenge of it. And so, um, we just really banded together to go through the learning process of CrossFit and then also the demands of CrossFit that, uh, to compete in CrossFit, it isn't just, 
you know, an hour of daily exercise, it's your entire life during that time. Um, so you learn a lot about yourself and the people that you're training with. Um, and so it was kind of a way to make good friends and also challenge yourself in personal life too. That's so awesome. How did you cross into the coaching space? Um, I think because of where we started off, we didn't really have any coaches except for the one guy that started the gym. Uh, so it was pretty easy to transition into coming from coaching group fitness and stuff to, um, to come into coaching CrossFit. I was doing some personal training at the same time. I got my NASM CPT during that time as well. So, um, tying all those things together, but to think about it now, you know, 10, 11, almost 12 years later, like the things I didn't know, <laughs> like as a coach, sure. um, and you learn, uh, but I've always cared first about the athlete. I think, um, that's something personal training and coaching. If, um, that's a natural inclination to notice the athlete in their body first, and then challenge them after that, once you understand what they're capable of, um, then coaching is a little bit easier. Um, then complicating it by trying to fit bodies into the programming that you have. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. I know I've definitely benefited from so much of your coaching. (laughs) It's been, you're just an awesome coach and you can tell that you like really care about your athletes. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's CrossFit. I mean, is hard. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a hard, you know, the classes, no matter what your level is, it's challenging. And that's, what's great about CrossFit. I think, Unfortunately, it gets a bad rap sometimes um, just because sometimes people only see what's on TV or people that have gotten injured, unfortunately, due to coaches or gyms that really don't have preparation Mm -hmm. or kind of coaches that are prepared in their classes uh, or warm people up very well. So that's unfortunate. But I do believe that's a small percentage. I think the general population just if you never tried it, then you don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think where I'm coaching at now at CrossFit SoCo. I'm just so lucky because they run their gym that way. Mm -hmm. It's the athlete first, and then everything else comes after that. So it just fits right in with my methodology as well. Definitely. I stayed away from CrossFit for a long time because of that reputation and was so intimidated walking in. But then Jake, my husband, actually went to SoCo first and was like, oh, yeah, we warm up for 25 (laughs) or 30 minutes before we even do the workout. And, you know, it's not about weight. It's about quality of movement yep. and so I was so nervous about that side of the of <laughs> CrossFit is. but yeah, yeah I think you are right that 99% of CrossFit gyms and CrossFit coaches care more about that yeah. than they do just how much weight you have on the bar and go yeah. in redlining every single <laughs> every time, time. And yeah so it's a much healthier balance than I think yes. people realize it definitely is so you also have done some ultra marathons. Yeah. How did those come about for you? Oh uh, yeah, I actually ran first. I did my first marathon, the Seattle Marathon, in two thousand and nine. I would say I ran five Ks and you know ran a little bit growing up, but never any distances. But I went through some personal trauma in a relationship mm-hmm. when I was about 22, 23. He was an alcoholic. We didn't mm-hmm. really realize that at that time. But and so I think I wanted to help him for a long time, but it turned out to be very traumatic for me. Mm-hmm. And so leaving that relationship with some trauma that I didn't really know how to deal with running long distances became an outlet um, for that and meditative 
process of kind of dealing with some of those situations that occurred and um, the powerlessness that comes along mm. with being um, in situations like that, you know, and no matter if it's in a personal relationship or professional where you've lost your kind of sense of self through whatever marathon started to give me that. So I started off doing road marathons and then found trail run ultras. So then I did um, a clay alum on the Northwest is where I started growing up in Washington. So then I found like um, 50 miles. And then when I moved here to Colorado about six years ago, I did the Cheyenne Mountain Marathon. And then I did my first 100 miler last summer, which unfortunately Amazing. I had to drop. Yeah, it was, I made it almost all the way. I just didn't take very good care of my feet. Mm. So once I started to get blisters and kicking rocks oh. and like damaging toes, um, I just couldn't continue. Yeah. But I'm doing another one uh, in September. So Yay. I'm going to make up for I'm going to finish. I'm gonna, finishing this one. I'm taking more awareness of time on my feet for climbing and everything to make sure blister care and steel toed tennis shoes. <laughs> if oh, I can gosh. find a pair. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, I love it. I think um, the balance of um, competing in CrossFit, which is so hard in a way of you can fail a weight and you can your body may fail at gymnastics there's a point where your capacity is met crossfit competitions as well is luck of the draw sometimes with mm -hmm. workouts uh, you could get really lucky to have a movement or movements that are, are your strengths that complement you or you can have movements that are not and that you just have to go in no matter what and do the best that you can when it comes to running distances, you can keep moving your feet. It's more of a mental, just completely mental game to make your body keep moving. So it's just kind of a different way to challenge yourself. If you can make it through 100 miles, then you can make it through any CrossFit workout. So, <laughs> yeah. So they just kind of coincide to give a different stimulus and also be outside. I think there's something really primal about being out in the middle of the forest um, where you have to, you have to come back. I mean, you have to make it out and you have to keep moving and you have to dig in deep to new brain chemistry and new hormones that have to trigger in because it's, you know, kind of like survival at that mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something pretty amazing that we don't get um, in our lifestyles currently mm -hmm. that is just really refreshing and amazing. So yeah. Well, you are living proof that you can go and do ultra marathons and still be super strong at CrossFit. Yeah. Like they don't have to be exclusive and it's, you are so strong and it doesn't <laughs> seem like your ultra running is any detriment to your weightlifting. Obviously you're yeah. going to train a little bit differently if you're training for a CrossFit competition versus yeah. your ultra running, but it sounds like you've really been able to be successful in both. Yeah, I think uh, body types, I would definitely say that um, I, my body has a natural inclination to the distance running along with CrossFit. So I've been able to do a under four hour marathon and still deadlift over 300 pounds wow. and keep that body structure. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I think, you know, as much as that's like body, it's nutrition. Mm. That's been something where it hasn't been perfect. And I've gone through, you know, my own learning journey with food. And so knowing all of what I have learned and actually implementing that, mm. I think, I don't think, I know the reason why I'm still successful mm. at, I'll be 42 in August and being able to have a quality of life with my family during mm. these training times is because of food and sleep. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's yeah. dive into that because yeah. <laughs> uh, I would love to hear just a little bit more about your nutrition journey yeah. and kind of how your relationship with food has changed over the years. Yeah, definitely. So 
Um, when I was younger after that relationship and I started running, um, I was severely bulimic for a really long time. Um, I had a really unhealthy relationship with food, mm. uh, but it was more of a control thing. Mm. Um, I think bulimia particularly is also something that I had a really hard time saying out loud or talking to people about because for whatever reason, it's more embarrassing. Mm. Um, it feels very embarrassing or you feel a little bit ashamed um, because of the binge eating and the purging aspect of it mm. is a little bit more um, vulnerable. I mean, any, any eating disorder is, but I think it's just less talked about because of, I don't know, everything surrounding it. So um, as I was running marathons in, in group fitness, I was really embarrassed because I was coaching all these people and talking to them about food and exercise. And then I myself was dealing with this big struggle. And, and so as I slowly started to talk out loud and then seek some counseling um, about that and being able to talk about it, it was easier for me to realize that like to change those habits, I had to change like every day. Mm -hmm. So like going to the grocery store, like not buying the things that could trigger mm -hmm. that process, which then began to change my brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want that food. I didn't need to feel that way. And then the things that kind of made me feel anxiety or out of control, I was able to check in with and kind of realize that, you know, the food never was the problem. It was more my thought process and how I was handling stressors in my life and being embarrassed. I think that's no matter what it is that you're dealing with, hiding it or not talking about it only makes it worse. Mm -hmm. And it keeps you in that little circle struggle in your brain to never change. And so I did more nutrition through my NASM and then CrossFit covers nutrition. Um, I got my 200 hour yoga teacher training um, as well that covers nutrition and then got my precision, precision nutrition level one. And all of those things, again, is, you know, talks about like whole food and proteins. And once you start changing your diet to that, you do realize that food makes you happy mm -hmm. and the food actually improves your mood. It improves your brain chemistry, it helps with anxiety. All of those things are then kind of more controlled to help with any other of those situations that you have. And so from there, then it's just finding the foods that you really enjoy and the foods that work with your body, mm -hmm. which is where macro nutrients come in, um, which sometimes I think people think that macronutrients is kind of a fad because CrossFit mm -hmm always talks about your macros, macros and if it fits your macros <laughs> and all this stuff, but it's science when it comes down to protein, carbs, and fat, which is the main sources that our body breaks down and like anatomy, DNA, all of that process, muscle building, brain, everything is ran by those nutrients. So when you actually just think about it in a way of the food that breaks down in your body, that's doing everything for your hormones, for your emotions, for your mental health, for exercise is all broken down in your body by what you're eating and how those nutrient values hit. And once you find the way that works for you, then you're able to utilize that. And honestly, I think once you have a good food balance, you can accomplish anything, whether it be physical or mental or emotional challenges, because our body is fully more capable to do everything it's supposed to do. It's like a superpower. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that journey. I think it is important for people to know, you know, where you're coming from because they think, oh, nutrition, like she's always had it down. Yeah. It's always been easy for her, <laughs> you know, and I think it, it's really cool to see the healthy relationship that you have with food and that yeah. you're able to teach someone, you know, to approach food that way. And I think especially in the competitive CrossFit field and in a lot of fields too, it can be 
easy to get obsessive or yeah. controlling. And there's a lot of, you know, oh, well, if I was just lighter, I'd be great at muscle ups or yeah. whatever it is. I mean, for climbing, that's a huge thing was, you know, body weight. If you're yeah. low, if as long as you're light body weight, you'll just climb stronger. And yeah. I think that can be a scary path to go down. Yeah. It's definitely, I think, I used to think that I actually remember a couple trail run ultras I would be on and, you know, I carry a lot of muscle mass and so I look kind of different than the trail runners, especially starting off a decade ago. And I remember saying to strangers while running, oh yeah, I've, you know, I still need to lose a few pounds or if mm -hmm. I was lighter, I could do this. And I remember like saying that to strangers and they're mm -hmm. probably like... <laughs> okay, you know, like not really thinking about it, but it's funny in your brain how you think about that when really because of my muscle mass, I'm able to climb hills longer. Mm -hmm. I'm able to not have my knees or hips break down on downhills. I can go for an extended period of time because the longevity of my muscle mass is able to mm -hmm. carry me. Mm -hmm. um, if I was going to, you know, try to PR my marathon, I would lighten up or change, but I wouldn't want to lose all my muscle mass. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to lose so much weight where now I'm not able to push past what my body's capable of because my muscles can carry me there. My body can help me get through. And same with gymnastics. I used to think that all the time with gymnastics. Oh, if I'm lighter, then I'll be able to do more. But if you're stronger, you can do more. Mm -hmm. it, it's the ability to control your body weight is what gymnastics is. So mm -hmm. there's a difference of heaviness because of what we're eating and the foods that we're eating. So if we have bloating or retaining water or inflammation, mm -hmm. that's a different heaviness than muscle mass mm -hmm. to your body weight. Like that's a completely different conversation. And I think those get tied in to one, unfortunately. And unfortunately, I think it's just misinformation. Um, I think there's a lot of changes that I would like to see, especially when it comes from top down, like mm -hmm. government resources, mm -hmm. when just regular person searches online, how much protein should mm -hmm. I get? And the protein numbers are so low that it's just insane. And it's understandable why people don't understand. I mean, no mm -hmm. one's teaching not no one, but the correct information is hard to find. Yeah. Unfortunately, which yeah. is just blows my mind sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be complicated and we <clears throat> love to complicate food. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like just eat real food and yeah. you know, most of the time. <laughs> yes. Period. Yeah. If you did that and ate more fruits and vegetables on a daily basis, you would mm -hmm. feel better and see more results mm -hmm. with low amounts of exercise. Mm -hmm. And exercises, we overcomplicate that as well mm -hmm. as a person that might not want to do CrossFit or might not want to run. Walking outside for 30 minutes a day is perfect. Mm -hmm. um, doing an easy yoga class, doing, you know, going to the gym and, you know, doing anything is better than absolutely nothing. Our muscles like to be moved. Our body, it releases chemicals and hormones by muscle mass moving. There's, you know, a purpose for why we have muscle. And when we're sedentary and not getting that blood flow, it causes a lot more damage than just not having muscles. Um, yeah. It goes all around this full circle in our bodies. Yeah. yeah. How did your body image shift from kind of that period that you were talking about where you're like, oh, if I just lost a few more pounds yeah. to like where you feel like you're at right now and how that has been interwoven with your thoughts on food? Yeah. Um, just by results, I would say um, the more goals that I set, say in CrossFit or running, then 
the better I felt about my body because my body was doing these things. So I wanted to fuel myself to be able to do these things. And then the more I fueled myself to do these things, the more proud I was of my body instead of shaming my body for any reason. And so through that process, I was like proud of my body. Hmm. I'm like, dang, like I could do that. And I worked hard to do that. And through that process, I think just putting your head down and doing the work, you don't have the time to judge your body. You're you should be doing things, you know, let's do something with your body. And that's how you feel better about your body, Mm -hmm. not by what it looks like. You know, your body is going to show what you're doing. So no matter what that is, if you're exercising or not exercising, or your goal is bodybuilding or aesthetics or whatever it is, then if you're doing things towards that, then that's going to show the results or not. Mm -hmm. So that's how I feel with clients sometimes when either pre-clients post or even talking to people about Mm -hmm. the scale, like Mm -hmm. it's always the weight on the scale. And, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't want to get on the scale because, you know, I'm afraid of what it's going to say, but I feel like you know what it's going to say because you know what you've been doing or not doing. Mm. So uh, the scale isn't the end all be all of what your body is or isn't doing. We we know that by the way we feel or the activities we've been doing. So the scale is just a tool, um, but it's I I think the scale is not the end all be all. But for mm. some reason we've made that number mm-hmm. everything in like a weight loss journey when really the scale could stay the same mm-hmm. and you could drop like five percentage body fat and be able to get your first muscle up and your body weight will remain the same. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely more a testament to what is your body doing? What are you capable of doing? How are you setting yourself up to accomplish that? That's what's going to show in your bodies. Yeah. I think that's something that I really love about CrossFit is it is more focused on like what you can do with your body versus like what your body looks like. Yeah. And if you walk into our gym, you can see so many different body types in one class. Yeah. And I love that. You can see strength and gymnastics and all everything in between and some strong runners. And yeah. I mean, it really is so inclusive in terms of body type. Yeah, it's crazy. I saw a post the other day. Um, I think it was one of the other coaches and it was it said if every single person mm-hmm. exercised and ate the same, we would all mm-hmm. still look different. And that's 100%. We're still, our body types are all different. So our bodies are going to still look different no matter what, even if we're all eating the same or doing the same things. Nobody's body is going to look exactly like yours. And like once you learn that and appreciate that, then it's more powerful in your ability to like live in your body and coexist with your body instead of fighting against it all the time. Yeah. So. And plus, I mean, you gave birth to three children. Yeah. <laughs> I've given birth to one at this point. Yeah. And I have to, sometimes I have to remind myself, like, I gave birth to a child. Like, yeah. my, you know, I, my body can do amazing things. And yeah. just because I don't love the weight on the scale at this point, yeah. like, what my body has gone through and honoring that and, you know, just owning that and feeling strong. That's more important than what the scale says. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Pregnancy is wild. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Well, I know you were such a huge inspiration for me while I was continuing to do CrossFit while pregnant because I mean, I had maybe watched a couple people do it ahead of me, but there really isn't that many resources out. I think it's getting better, but there's still so much old school information about like exercising while pregnant. And how did you approach that in your pregnancies and kind of what have you learned along the way? Yeah, I think it is, um, you know, Throughout my pregnancies, I've been lucky to be learning about fitness myself and coaching people. So I was more aware of what my body was capable of. Yoga was a great tool because you 
are breathing, you're working your pelvic floor, your diagram, diaphragm, all these areas of your body that are going through change. And so it was really nice to be able to bring that into CrossFit because you can modify anything. And you're just keeping an eye on those body positions to make sure that you're strengthening the right muscle groups at the same time while your body is growing. So it's just being aware of your own body. I think that there's definitely still misinformation mm-hmm. about, you know, now that you're pregnant, don't lift, don't jump, don't do this. And it's a modification to you and your body specific mm-hmm. and what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. So if a person has been sedentary, then join, you know, starting off just hardcore exercise probably isn't the best for them. But a pregnant person who's brand new can still start CrossFit. Mm-hmm. They're just going to modify to what their body can do. Maybe they're not going to jump, but they're going to do low box step ups. Mm. There's always a modification that you can find. Uh, so I'm grateful that I was always taught that. Mm. So then when I went through my pregnancies, I got to do that. And then I got to help teach that mm. and coach that. And so that's amazing. I think through pregnancy, it's really easy to lose a sense of yourself and you're already losing your body. So being able to move your body and feel strong and capable in your body throughout pregnancy is a really powerful tool, mm. as well as postpartum. Mm. Postpartum is really hard. It's emotional. Your hormones are messed up. No matter what, even if you have this great support system, there's always a sense of postpartum depression. Like Mm. it just is common. And it's something that we're going through because of these dramatic changes to our body or hormones and all these things and being able to exercise and find a way to still move your body and give you some power back as an individual is a really big statement to being able to then be present for your family Mm. and for that power and space in yourself for that process is a really, really powerful thing. So, yeah, yeah. I think that for me, body image was challenging throughout pregnancy because I had never experienced before. And I was coming from like competitive climbing athlete where you're just trying to be as lean as possible. And then all of a sudden, like my first semester, (laughs) I felt like I, it looked like I went to a buffet every night and (laughs) just felt chunky. And like, I do think that even just showing up to CrossFit, even if I was so tired, that mental health part of it was the most important thing for me, I think, throughout my pregnancy. Yeah. And it's blood flow and oxygen. I mean, when it comes down to, you know, exercise, exercise is getting blood flow and oxygen throughout your body so that our whole system is moving and we're getting blood flow from our toes to our head, to our hearts, to our lungs and all of that. And that's what exercise helps to stimulate. And so that's going to help with every single part of your body's function from those processes of your nervous system to your quality of life. And that's why like depression and anxiety, um, they encourage just walking, uh, getting mm-hmm. outside fresh mm-hmm. air, like you're moving, you're getting blood flow and oxygen. So yeah, it doesn't have to be overcomplicated, even if you're pregnant, sedentary, injured, mm-hmm. no matter your age, mm-hmm. we can start off with it being really simple. Yeah, I yeah. feel like I'm so happy that gone are the days where it's like, oh, keep your heart rate under 140. And it's like, oh, yeah. I walk up the stairs and like, yeah, I'm it. done, you know? Right. So yeah. I think it was exciting yeah. to see like, oh, I can still like push myself yeah. when I'm pregnant. Like I did Murph like four days before my due date. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it took me a long time, but I still did it. You like did it. Yeah. and modified a lot, of course, because yeah. I had a 30 pound weight vest <clears throat> yeah, you at did. the time. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, it's. It's so crazy for some of those things of not getting your heart rate up or not lifting a certain amount of weight when we live in a world where there's stressors and there's, you know, you go out and someone 
pulls out right in front of you and you have to slam on your brakes, your heart rate just escalated. Is your body able to process mm -hmm. that? Is your fight or flight and your nervous system capable of stressors? Mm -hmm. Exercise allows your nervous system and your sensory development to be better off prepared for stress. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of those aspects that sometimes is like left out. Like we exercise and that is one of the greatest things about CrossFit is that it's hard and we're pushing our bodies. And so you get done with a CrossFit class and you made it and then you go out into the real world and your work stressing you out or there's a, a problem happens or something tragic mm -hmm. happens. Mm -hmm. You're better off able to handle it because your body knows how this stressor feels. Mm -hmm. We're going to make it through. I will survive. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times if we're not pushing those boundaries, it makes those stressors and those hard times a lot more difficult because our body internally doesn't know how to handle those situations. And so that's one of the things that I think I love about CrossFit and what it can bring quality of life outside of. And I think any exercise, especially as adults, if it's not providing quality of life outside of your out the gym or outside of that aspect, then we have mm -hmm. to check in with why we're doing it mm -hmm. because it should be providing a greater quality of life outside. And Definitely. that's like the most important thing for me and for anyone having families. Yeah. I mean, we're doing these hard things and we're doing these exercises to give our, ourselves power and to grow. And then we get to bring that into our families or our friend groups, into mm -hmm. our work and all of those things. And that's how we get to make everyone around us better, mm -hmm. not just inside the gym. Yeah. What is like some practical advice that you would give to maybe a new mom that's just found out she's pregnant, wants to continue CrossFit? Like what yeah. are the definitely keep doing this or definitely stop doing this? What are some of those things? Yeah. I mean, there's depending on their fitness level and what they're doing, I don't really think there's a you know, stop this now. I think there's just a listen to your body better mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. um, being more aware of talking to your coaches and be like, hey, you know, I'm three months pregnant. This is how I'm feeling. You know, today my low back is a little bit fatigued. Let, you know, communicating with your coach or whoever, you know, you're exercising with, then you can modify things to fit for you better. Mm -hmm. So I think communication, mm -hmm. so letting your coaches know so that they can help you modify and then listening to your body, um, making sure you're warming up well and just breathing well, mm -hmm. um, getting oxygen in and listening to your, you know, your heart rate and listening to your body is going to give you the best signs for that. But yeah, I think. Otherwise, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Yoga is my biggest thing that I would give to anybody if they're not in CrossFit or they want to keep doing CrossFit, mm -hmm. keep adding in easy flow yogas because yoga is all about breathing. It's all about your pelvic floor. It's mm -hmm. all about your core and midline stabilization. Mm -hmm. So it'll help to balance that out. And also it's a check-in for your body. I think no matter what... it CrossFit, we're doing different workouts and we're doing different movements. We don't always get that time to hold a pose mm -hmm. or to see where we might be tight. And yoga can kind of give you that ability to slow down mm -hmm. and be like, oh, I am having a little bit more mm -hmm. fatigue in my low back than I was thinking. Or, you know, I am putting more pressure on my upper body because of carrying this. And so it can give you a good check-in to be able to slow that process down and just be patient with your body mm -hmm. and allow it to be different on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that check, check in that yoga provides for yeah. that. Yeah. Let's talk <clears throat> some pelvic floor stuff. Okay. So yeah. I think you were super helpful throughout my pregnancy <clears throat> with that and just like, hey, be aware of like kipping, you know, big kips after first trimester. Yeah. Obviously looking for like coning when you're in your plank position or mm. a, you know, pull up type of thing. Yeah. What are some of the things that you would tell like a new mom? 
Yeah, I think I went through this postpartum. So during pregnancy, it's a little bit easier to check in with those things because you can feel them a little bit more. You feel you're growing and you're already prepared to modify. I think postpartum, it can be really easy to get right back into things, especially if you were, you know, fit during your pregnancy. It's a little bit easier to get right back in. So you don't notice the like the damage that we're doing uh, on top of pregnancy recovery with those extra movements of jumping, pull-ups, toes to bar, the positions that really ask a lot of our Mm -hmm. midline and pelvic floor, deadlifts, um, stuff like that. So I would say my biggest advice there is to see a pelvic floor therapist Mm -hmm. as soon as, you know, you're six to eight weeks or you're ready to get back on there because they can tell you more than what we feel especially if you feel well, Mm -hmm. I feel good. I feel strong. I'm Mm -hmm. bouncing back. And then a year later, your pelvic floor might not still be healed Mm -hmm. because we didn't give it that time. Mm -hmm. You have to remember that there was nine months of damage and growth and change on your pelvic floor and on your whole body. And so that's going to take about that six to nine months to fully recover. Mm -hmm. And so just taking it easy on your body, listen to your body. If you're having those times of maybe, you know, you're peeing your pants a little bit more leaking or just discomfort Mm -hmm. to back away from those movements and give yourself more time. So I would say give yourself grace. Um, It's really easy, especially if you, you know, have been competitive in the sport or you're just a person who really is gung-ho about getting, you know, stronger and fitter and all of these new skills back, just remember to give yourself patience and grace because it's not a linear progress. Yeah, that's so important. And I think it is crazy once you've gone through it to realize like how short six weeks is that they're like, oh, you can exercise again. And I think that that six weeks, they're not necessarily thinking of like the active person that was doing like CrossFit all the way up. And so... I feel like it probably, I don't think I even started CrossFit until like nine or 10 weeks yeah. after. And even then it was like so much modification, even more so than pregnancy, yeah. I think. Um, Cause yeah, you, yeah. you, your body goes through a lot. It goes through a lot. Yeah. And I was lucky to get in with a physical, like a pelvic floor physical therapist right yeah. away that helped a lot, but it's like, I'm, you know, 10 months later, it's still a challenge. It so is. even yeah. with that, like. Yes. It's important, I think, to yeah. stay on top of. It's a, it's a muscle, you know, it's a whole bunch of different muscle groups in that area. So it fatigues out. So mm-hmm. when you're, you know, getting your shoulders stronger, your glutes stronger, they fatigue out. Your pelvic floor fatigues out the same. So mm-hmm. progressively six months later, yeah, it's stronger, but you're going to have days where it's going to be broke down. So mm-hmm. being aware of, oh, hey, I did a whole bunch of sit-ups, a whole bunch of jump roping. Mm-hmm. Maybe this day I'm going to modify mm-hmm. because, and so that's a lot of personal responsibility responsibility in a way to be like, oh, I hold myself accountable to know that I won't heal if I continue just to break this down. And I still go through that. Recently, you know, for the past uh, like 10 months, I've been all in um, and competing in CrossFit and training. And there were times where I would have to tell my coach, hey, I'm my pelvic floor isn't recovering because it was a super high volume of midline work mm-hmm. and I have to take a step back. Right um, now, since the open and quarterfinals are over, I'm doing all body weight activation. So mm-hmm. I'm going back to like postpartum stuff, mm-hmm. like glute bridges and clamshells and breathing exercises mm-hmm. and easy yoga poses mm-hmm. so that I can get all that stuff strong again because of the breakdown over a long period of time. So I think realizing that once we do have a kid, I think it's forever something that we keep an eye on because Mm -hmm. it it is a muscle that will fatigue out and at a different rate than it used to Mm -hmm. because it had trauma to it yeah so I think that's helpful for me to just hear again because yeah I do think like oh I'm I'm 10 months past (laughs) like I should be you know full 100 percent and and you 
help us remember that like yeah you were pregnant for nine months yeah. and then you gave birth and you had time <laughs> off it's like that's a you know you're not even in your postpartum like yeah. that and then here you are two and a half years yeah, postpartum two, yeah. and like it's still something still. that you're thinking about yeah. and so I think having grace for yourself like yeah. you said is so important and to keep going back to that yeah in both our nutrition and our exercise yep. and and you're trying to take care of a baby at the yeah. same time. That's <laughs> yeah. a, it's a lot going it's on. A lot. Yeah, it's a lot. I think, you know, routines, um, daily habits, um, I think are what, and you kind of hear it time and time again, mm-hmm. the things you do on a daily basis are the things that make or break you. Mm-hmm. And that's like 100% true. So especially if you have kids and you have families and you want to exercise, setting yourself up for success is like my biggest overall tip. Mm-hmm. I am, I kind of get made fun of my family all the time because I go to bed pretty much at the same time. I wake up at the same time. I like to have my grocery shopping done. I'm very specific about these things, but I have a high quality of life because mm-hmm. I do these things. Mm -hmm. I can exercise for three hours and still have energy for my family Mm -hmm. and still play with my kids and go back to school to get my registered dietitian and be able to do these hard classes Mm -hmm. because of these habits that I've set up on a daily basis. And so that would be my biggest thing. Like it's, you don't have to think like, Oh, I have to do all this right now because my goal is this. It's like, no, how about today you make your bed, Mm -hmm. you eat like a high quality breakfast and then have a, you know, have like meats and, or Mm -hmm. veggies that cover your protein sources Mm -hmm. and be aware of the food intake that you're eating in your water and sleep. Do that one day and now do it the next Mm -hmm. and now do it tomorrow Mm -hmm. and the next day and you will feel better and you're going to have more motivation to do more things. Mm -hmm. You're going to be happy, you know, all of those things are going to stack on top of each Mm -hmm. other on that daily basis. And so I think that would be my like biggest advice. If you're not feeling well, what are you doing on a daily basis then? Mm -hmm. That's, that's it. That's everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah. It it can get overwhelming when you think about like, oh, all of the things that I want to do, sleep and water and nutrition and exercise. It's like, just pick, just pick one thing that you think is going to make a big impact. Yeah. And yeah, whether that's like just deciding to figure out like when you're going to meal prep and save yourself that much time during the rest of the week, like what's going to be the biggest part in your schedule that's going to make the biggest impact and allow you to be more present with your family. And and still be able to reach your goals. Like, it is possible. Yeah, it is. It's just, you know, it takes effort. Mm -hmm. You just have to do it. Like, you know, that's probably one of the biggest things working with clients and talking to my Mm -hmm. clients is just do it. Like it's, it always seems harder in our heads mm-hmm. or it seems like it's going to make more time. Mm-hmm. But the second you start doing it, then you realize like, oh, that didn't take very much time at all. Or, hey, that took me 45 minutes to meal prep, but now I can get it all done in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, I actually turned this into a family affair by meal prepping with my kids or, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things. It's, you know, and we live in a society today where you can get your groceries delivered mm-hmm. and you can get Done order, awesome. you know, it's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I am a big fan. And so it changes the dynamic of what we're able to do by having a little bit more support. And so, yeah, I think we have to get out of our own heads, which mm-hmm. is usually the hardest thing because it's easy to get trapped in our thoughts and then it's overwhelming. And then we just keep living the same day over and over mm-hmm. instead of just like stopping your thoughts and just make, take action. Mm-hmm. And those action steps is what then creates long-term change. And it, the hardest part is doing that and having the patience for yourself to do that. Because 
I would say, I think one of your questions for me was, you know, what's the biggest pitfall kind Mm -hmm. of that happens with clients. And I think it's, we all, we want immediate gratification. We want like immediate results. And that doesn't happen immediately, especially if we've had decades of under eating or decades of overeating or decades of not exercising. And so, but the one thing is, is if you are eating like a good diet of like whole foods and good fats and high protein, you will immediately feel a difference cognitively. Mm-hmm. You will start to sleep better. These emotional things will start to happen and then your body will start to change. Mm-hmm. And so it's just being patient and allow the process to happen. If it's been two weeks and you've been on your diet for two weeks and you're like, ah, I quit. I'm not seeing any changes. <laughs> like, well, you know, that's, I think a deeper, there's something else going on there than, yeah. you know, that we need to check in with. But if you just allow yourself to live those daily habits, then that's a lifestyle. And yeah. that's when the long-term change happens. Mm-hmm. You know, our bodies are complicated and they want to go what's like the least resistance path. And that's when it comes to food or exercise or brains. Mm-hmm. But we can change all those things. Like we can change our brain chemistry. We can change and we can grow new cells. We can adapt and we can build muscle. It just takes effort and time. Mm-hmm. And so being patient in that process. What's six months to a year over a period of 50 years? Like it's nothing, but mm-hmm. you just have to get started mm-hmm. other than drawing it out for five years yeah. and you're still at the same place the time will pass anyway yeah 100 <laughs> percent. yeah I love the quote that Soko put up a little bit ago is like choose your hard yes and so it's really hard to be sick and overweight and yeah. feel sluggish and yeah. you know have all of these things that that's a really hard lifestyle yeah it's also hard to meal prep and have you know get to the gym you know often throughout the week and so it's like choose your choose your heart it's gonna be hard either way it's exactly yeah (laughs) yeah it's definitely it's not but I think that's the reward yeah you know that's the quality of life reward that comes from exercise because that's just one hour of your day Mm -hmm. but it improves the quality of life outside of Mm -hmm. that aspect for activities or family or Mm -hmm. life and so sometimes we want to make it like oh my whole day's you know ruined and I'm so tired all day we'll spend 30 minutes to an hour doing something that physically challenges you no matter what it is you're going to feel better for those other 23 yeah and so it's just realizing that we're humans are complicated (laughs) beings and we like to make things more difficult than what they are yeah Um, fine I love your mindset and just start with the small thing Take 30 minutes to do something that's going to benefit your body because then it is going to pay off for the other 23 hours of your day. And that's a small investment to make for the rewards that you get. Yeah. And those are the immediate benefits. Like if you start doing those things, whether it's making your bed or, you know, eating a high quote, more high quality breakfast, like, you know, oatmeal and berries or eggs and veggies, something that gives you actually like good quality nutrients, you're going to feel better by noon. Like it just, you will, like if you start doing that. And so once you feel better by noon, you're like, oh, that makes a difference. I'm going to choose to eat this then for lunch instead of this. Once you start doing those things, it's that this or that. Well, I would like to eat that, but remember yesterday how good I felt because I ate this. Mm -hmm. You'll continue to do that because you are getting those response and that's psychology. I mean, our brain triggers their happiness response, but if we're making those decisions, it's just hard to change those habits sometimes. But the more you just do it, the more that happens and the more you get that same happy response that that cookie or the fast food gave you, you know, and then tricking your brain into realizing, oh, actually going, you know, by the fast food place isn't faster. I can actually go into the grocery store and grab some beef jerky and a thing of mixed fruit. 
and that's going to make me feel better. I'm going to be satiated for longer. And I actually like feel a lot better. And that was actually faster. So yeah. little things like that, that we don't think about and we want to make it more complicated than yeah. what it actually is. Start to get in that feedback cycle and it, it <laughs> yeah. does build yep. on itself throughout the day and throughout your weeks. And yeah. soon all of a sudden you're in a great habit. 100%. Yeah. And you're happier. You yeah. wake up better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Sarah, where can people follow you and find your services? Yeah. So um, people can find me on Instagram at Sarah Michelle Potter on there. Um, I don't really have a website, but you can link. I have a link tree in there for them to be able to schedule um, a free consult with me. So 15 to 30 minutes, depending. And yeah, just kind of check in, see where you're at and see what we can do to kind of take that first step. Awesome. Sarah, (laughs) thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I learned so much from you. You're so inspiring. So (laughs) (laughs) thank you. Yeah. So are you. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. If you friends liked the podcast today, make sure to share and leave us a reading and some feedback. Like and subscribe, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.